This is Ibarian X, and welcome to The Candid Frame. Sometimes the best subject matter is in one's own backyard. It's a lesson that I've certainly learned over the years, but it can be a simple one to forget. It's easy to think that the better subject matter is somewhere else, other than right where I am, in my own city, in my own neighborhood. So it's interesting to me when a photographer turns their lens to the familiar and is able to produce a strong body of work. That familiarity, which makes it far too easy to overlook things, can be the very thing that allows the photographer to reveal their world in a unique way. Our guest, Nico Calignotis, did just that as he explored the Greek community of his youth in Astoria, New York. The result is a combination of nostalgia and social documentary, but with a very personal touch. I began our talk by asking him how being a young Greek immigrant impacted the way he looked at the American Greek community that he was being introduced to. Well, it wasn't um, it wasn't a bad taste. It was more you have to understand that, and uh, a lot of people um, don't really understand that because, if, especially if you haven't lived in Europe in the '90s, um, you have to, or especially when I first came here, like late '80s, there was no uh, every there were just Greeks basically in Greece. There was no ethnic diversity whatsoever minor very minor so when my you know plus i had my friends etc i was involved with uh you know soccer is big in greece i was you know i was a kid i didn't want to lose my friends and you know my community and my neighborhood so going from the transition of athens to queens it was a cultural shock because astoria i was doing research for my um for my project when i started it and according to a 2009 National Geographic article, Astoria is one of the most ethnically diverse communities on the planet. And that was, that was very interesting to me. And I totally experienced that back then. And also the Greek, I believe, and a lot of people might, you know, contradict that, that the Greeks in Greece and the Greeks here, it's a little bit different on their lifestyle on the way uh, they, they go about their business, not even necessarily in a bad or a, or a good way. It's just a different kind of atmosphere and a different communication level. And I have found that I have spoken with uh, Italian friends, people from Ireland, that they were born there, but they came into the States at a later time. Like I, my first experience was in, I was probably like 16, 17. I went, and I went back. Actually, my bad. My very, very first experience was I was I was a kid. I was probably like 10. But then me and my mom came here and my dad was doing his Ph.D. So it was a lot of it was difficult for him. So I went back and there was a lot of traveling between my parents. So they will be together. But then again, I tried it in uh, 87. So back then. I, I supposedly I was going to come here and, and, and stay permanently, but that, that didn't work out. But like I was saying earlier, from friends from other nationalities, when you are born there and you come in the States at a later age, I think 
it's a little bit different than born here from a Greek family. So, and a lot of the parents and, uh, you know, you're having a, a lot of quote baggage from, you know, a lot of cultural um, involving religion, uh, traditions, etc. which I do follow. Don't get me wrong. I have nothing against all that. But it's interesting how when you come in here, people that came in the 50s, 60s or, or before that or after that, they try to maintain the, the Greek identity if you want to call it, and well, not even call it, they want to try to maintain the Greek identity, but at the same time, they try to assimilate in this environment in New York. And that's something that I, that I still struggle with. Did, do you think that part of it was the fact that you were 16 or 17, you know, mm-hmm. a very difficult time, regardless of where you're from and where you're living, that, oh, that so- sort of helped sort of color the way that you saw the, the Greek community that you were now having to call home? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it was definitely an age factor. And that's why, you know, when I went back, in Greece, you have to serve um, in the army. It was mandatory. So I had, uh, when I went back, I have to take care of that. I didn't serve, um, but I I came back here to go to college in 98. And I kind of like, you know, I'm at the age limit right now that it's, you know, they're, not, they're not calling me to go back. But what you said is is totally on point. In fact, I was the reason that my parents weren't really together because I refused to basically come back. And I did when when I first came here. I, I from JFK. I told my dad, "I'm leaving next summer." That was in '87, and I will never come back here. And I actually did that. <laughs> it was a funny story, but uh, we don't have to get into that. But. It's, um, I basically locked myself in a bathroom in the apartment in Athens the day that we were supposed to come back in the United States. And I, you know, um, and, and I refused to go to the airport. But, and you would think, a lot of people would think, what is wrong with you? You know, you don't want to live in New York City because in New York City is this, you know, it's a fairy tale, it's a metropolis, it's a very popular place, especially, you know, when you are in Greece, people, you know, it's their dream to come to New York. Did, did part of what you experienced have to do with being sort of, quote unquote, fresh off the boat? Uh, well, first off the boat, good point. The other, the other thing that I, and I think I, I talked about it in, uh, in more extent into, um, for this project, I'm doing some writing and I'm revisiting because I'm trying to self-publish a book about it, um, was that you can say that I was first off the boat, but I think there's another ingredient into that whole situation. And that, that is that I was not, I didn't consider myself an immigrant per se, like somebody coming here for economic hardship. I didn't have, like, I was fine in Greece, um, but I just came here because I was forced to, well, forced to. My parents, my dad had a job here. He still has a good job. So... I came because my of my family, of my dad, and you know I wanted to have that connection. I didn't want to keep the family apart. So, but it's totally yeah. I was fresh. You throwing into this environment that you never experienced before. Culturally, above all, I believe, and I still believe, is uh, it was a, a very important factor to the way I felt. And like if I go to Astoria a lot, I mean I visit because I live in Scranton. I'm a couple of hours away, and. It happens now, but when I was photographing and I was on the street, I would spot people, and I would, regardless of age, 
and I will stop him to photograph him. And four times out of five, I would ask him if they were Greek, and they were. Which was you can see that in the in the characteristics, in uh, also in in the behavior. But a story has changed so much right now. I don't know if you haven't if you if you visited that area. Back in when I first came, it was a lot of uh, when I first visited Astoria. There was it was basically Greeks and Italians. Now it's everybody. So it's hard to pinpoint the the, the Greeks among other you know other ethnicities of that kind of Eastern European, Southern Southern European. So what inspired you years later to go back to that community and and try and, you know, use your camera to document the experience, not only that it was happening now, but that was kind of reflective of, of your memories of it? Interesting, yeah. You see, I lived in New York State. I lived in uh, Watertown, New York, for four years, and uh, I, before that, I worked in a in a newspaper in Ohio, a very small town, and then I moved um, to uh, Watertown, New York, which is in Thousand Islands, beautiful area. And then in 2011, I um, you know I was working in newspapers and freelance, etc. But I decided to uh, uh, go to grad school, go to my, take my MFA because I, I I always wanted to teach, so I went to um, New York to go to the School of Visual Arts in 2011. Well, the, another interesting thing is that I had to transition. First of all, to me, it was very uh, difficult in a sense, but maybe we can talk about this a little bit later. The transition from the editorial to the personal. That was huge. Maybe like maybe keep an eye on that. We can talk about it later. Okay. But it, it, it relates to that. I, I went there in 2011. Uh, uh, 11 and I wanted to basically I was looking for an apartment and I was looking for uh, Brooklyn uh, Forest Hills uh, Manhattan different different locations but for some reason there was this interesting force that was driving me back to this area to look at places although I resented the place you know 20 years ago I will always visit it and I still do, like I said earlier, to go to the coffee shops, have uh, you know the, the Greek food, ethnic food, great ethnic restaurants in uh, in Astoria right now. So I ended up, of all places, back to the area that I resented, like I never wanted to be there. Not in, not for for personal reasons. And my project is is totally a personal reflection. It has nothing to do of me representing. No, no, this is the Greek community, and. Uh, uh, it's a, a representation of it. Not at all. It, it was it was my how, like you said, how I'm going to depict this experience that I had and the search to assimilate with the environment in a picture. That was a huge struggle for me. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting challenge because you are trying to express what your experience was 20 years ago in a community that's changed dramatically since you lived there as a as a kid, how did you how did you make that that leap? Well, th- that particular project had different. Uh, I had different ideas uh, about this project. Uh, initially, I wanted to because of that change that it was predominantly Greek Italian and predominantly Greek back uh, back in the day. But now it's like a it's like a cultural melting pot, and it's a really great neighborhood. And I wanted to kind of, my direction was leaning towards, uh, I'm going to cover the ethnic diversity and all these uh, different cultures I will, I will attempt. 
And um, then I, I was thinking to do uh, some portraits. I wanted to go into the, the Greek homes. And this is where it was a little bit uh, interesting to me. I was out for long and long periods of time. I wasn't photographing every day, but I was talking to a lot of people. I was, I was getting a sense uh, of the place, of how it feels now, and try to remember how I was feeling back then. Because this entire project was done in about, I don't know, five, six blocks, if that. And all of the locations that I have photographed are near the place where I used to live when my when my when I first visited Astoria where my dad had this apartment. But I really wanted to try to get into the homes. I got into one home and I was always saying, hey, you know, I was walking I didn't have any connections to begin with in Astoria. I would basically get out of my apartment and try to talk to people to let me in. And I didn't really get a, any access into that. And I'm, I think I'm a pretty good with communication skills. I'm a, I'm a friendly, uh, outgoing person. But I never that, – that never happened. <laughs> that kind of fall out of the tubes. And um, and also you have that, that transition from the editorial, the assigned to the, to the personal that I, I need to do this project. And I said to myself, I have to let this go. I have to go out with no agenda and photograph how I feel. And I believe those 20 pictures that, that you saw on my, on my website, I strongly, I strongly believe that if you know the backstory and the background and the trajectory of, of you know, my personal life and my career, I believe I'm depicted in every single photograph from those 20 images. Did you find that trying to make photographs from a very personal place was more difficult than the kind of things you faced when you were shooting editorial with all the, you know, demands and challenges that that entails? Oh, absolutely. I, in the editorial assignment, I, I was very fortunate to work at the Watertown Daily Times, which is uh, in Watertown, New York, near Fort Drum, very huge, huge military base. And I was fortunate to uh, have an editor, Norb Johnston, that the paper that I worked, we were very feature-oriented. I developed, I was starting to develop an aesthetic and a style there. We did not cover meetings. We did not cover spaghetti dinners. We did not do any headshots. I had one assignment a day, two assignments a day. The rest of the, of the shift was go out, take pictures, and it will run five columns. I was required to take at least two features. You know, Watertown, New York, you're talking minus 35 in the winter, mm. regardless. And I, we were required with five, uh, five staff photographers back then to photograph, uh, you know, enterprise photographs. And, but coming back to, to what you said, the, the assigned, I find it a lot more, I mean, I still do when I freelance, a lot easier to go into a situation knowing the backstory and what is required because logistically I'm working under the same aesthetic perimeters. That was my plan that I decided to, when I did the Astoria project and still was a, tr a struggle because I would go out there and I was, what are you going to photograph? And New York city, you know, this, uh, it's, it's photographed so many times by so many great photographers and people. And, and how are you going to make images that, so the 
this neighborhood in New York in a, in a different tone and at the same time reflect my personal experience of the past and my attempt to uh, kind of make good terms with the area in the present. You call the series Bittersweet Apple. Can you explain mm-hmm. why? Yeah, well, it's that uh, when I was uh, looking uh, for a title, um, the Greek, <laughs> I'm going to attempt to say, well, you probably won't make any sense. It's uh, an ancient Greek word. The translation from uh, English to the bittersweet, the bittersweet apple in Greek is pikroglikimalon, which means bitter, sweet apple. So it was this bittersweet experience that I, I have because I love New York. I, I love Astoria. And, but also there was this, this bitter uh, feeling that I have when I initially moved here. So I thought it would be a pro- an apple, obviously, New York City. And I thought it would be kind of interesting to kind of combine this bittersweet, bit, bittersweetness into the, into the title. How long were you, how long were you out there shooting before you found, you felt like you had hit a groove? Was there a particular point where you feel like you finally had a sense of what you were trying to achieve there? Interesting. The project, every time, like I said earlier, every time that I would go out, I, I, I decided because all the other attempts failed to go out free of any thoughts and express, um, attempt to express with the pictures my feelings. And I put a, I put a lot of emphasis with, uh, into the light and the shadow, into uh, when we're talking about the aesthetics of the picture. But a fascinating story was there was a, a, a barber shop, which is uh, a guy playing uh, the bazooki in one of my pictures in the slideshow in, on my website. Um, and I went there during a, a very uh, a February blizzard and there was this old lady wearing black. Um, you know, the women, the old women in Greece, uh, predominantly when the husband passes, they all wear black, same in, in Italy. So she was in this, in this barber shop behind, inside, obviously, with a younger lady. And I, every time I passed, there was, there was only no picture uh, opportunity. And one day she was there. And I enter and I said, you know, hi, I want to do some pictures. I, I did a couple of portraits because I was in the initial, uh, in the refining stages. And you're not going to believe this, but I asked her, where are you guys from? And she told me I'm from Serbia, Kozani. And I was, what? And I was, I was born there. Hmm. She was my grandmother's cousin that my grandmother had passed a year before I met this lady. She was cousins with my grandmother and she was visiting her daughter from the same village into that. Um, and, and I met her at the barbershop and then <laughs> it gets more interesting. Uh, after a while I saw uh, Nikos, which uh, was uh, one of the owners with uh, her husband. He's I'm sorry, Nico. I saw Nico, um, the owner of the barbershop, playing the bazooki one day uh, from, you know, I was walking by and I saw him inside the shop. So I stopped in. At this time, I knew where they were from. And I said, well, hey, you know where I'm from? And once I told him, he got all excited. He had pictures, black and white pictures 
of my uncle in Greece from 1920s. My my, I have three uncles in uh, in Greece that uh, well, two uncles and. Uh, well, actually, three ankles that they were doing weddings, etc. But their father, which I've never met, obviously, um, was the the village photographer, and he had pictures of my my uncle that I never met. You know, black and white, uh, four by sixes, two by threes. I don't I don't even remember the size. And also, he had a picture of my aunt that she lives in Queens from the sixties, and so everybody. Everybody kind of knew everybody, and to me, that was a very the mo- that moment was a very emotional connection with the area and with my heritage, with my background, memories. Uh, I loved my grandparents. Uh, I loved my grandmother, and meeting her cousin in Queens, it's a surreal scenario, and I think that picture. I don't, know, I don't know how to describe it. It's more of the project, I believe, in general, the pictures are pretty sad. They have like a dark kind of tone to it. And I think that after I had this encounter and this experience, it got very personal and very emotional uh, to me. And I don't know if that answers your question on that. But there wasn't any specific point that I said, I, I, took, this, I, I, I took this photograph and now I know which direction uh, my project will take because I, I took thousands of pictures and um, and it just kind of basically let the experience uh, flow. And I don't know if you want to continue and ask something, but again, this, the pictures, my editorial pictures from my website, and I never thought about this. I mean, I, I thought about it while I was, you know, revisiting my, my, my older work from the newspaper because I was looking at the images and if you if you look close, although there were features and some of them were assigned, I mean most of them were assigned assignment wise. I think there's those pictures from the newspaper. The way I approach the subject and uh, you know from the composition point to the moment, if you want to call that, I think there's a connecting link. There's a connection from the editorial picture to this project and to the other projects I'm I'm working on. And, and, and what do you think that that connective thing is? I think that that sad, uh, this sad, uh, I think the connecting link is that identity issue and this, this uh, I don't know, nostalgic, nostalgia that I had from, um, from thinking about Greece. And the interesting part of it is that I lived in New York State. And when I would travel all over New York State for assignments, I didn't have any issue being in New York. But every time I, I would go back to Astoria, I will I will have like a flashback of what was going on. But I think the pictures, maybe not all of them, but a great amount of the editorial pictures have this, you know, longing for something to happen, looking for this identity, especially how, you know, especially the last image with the guy in the bucket. But I, I think aesthetically they're very similar. And I think the content, although, you know, I didn't have control in the editorial environment are, is very very similar. I th- I think it's kind of interesting that that when you were first there as a, as a young man, that you didn't feel particularly connected to the community. Yeah, uh, definitely. 
Oh, back then when I when I first um, came to Astoria, and, and I actually went to uh, I didn't go to a Greek high school in Astoria. I went to Long Island City High School, which is uh, next to the Queensboro Bridge, and eighty percent of my of my class was was basically Greek. But I don't know. I think I don't know if there's a relation to it, but I think it's a it's a different it's a different lifestyle back then. And when you're young you have probably a false perception of what you should be doing. I mean, my main concern when I was in 16, 17 was that I want to follow my soccer team. I want to be a soccer player. I don't want to be, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't connect with, I don't follow hockey, although I love hockey right now, but I don't follow baseball, everything, everything. And the Greeks, okay, in that live in Astoria, they do follow that if they, they were born in, in, in this country. Of course, they will follow that. Baseball, I have no idea back then. But now that I went back, was it a mistake or mistake that I made that decision? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I should have reevaluated that choice uh, in a more appropriate manner than I did. Um, but going back to the area right now, I would say absolutely I feel more comfortable and I, and I feel that, you know, that emotion and that, that connection with the people. But it has changed. It has, it has changed a lot. The, in the 80s or even early 90s, the, the coffee shops, everything that, that was, uh, you know, Greekly related had a Greek tone to it. Like you would go, there's pictures uh, of uh, other photographers that I've seen, I don't recall names right now, but they were, you know, breaking plates and uh, it was wild, wild uh, Greek uh, bazooka nights. You don't have that anymore. You don't, you don't, you don't have that. And uh, there's still, of, of course, some tavernas and like, traditional restaurants, but the, the traditional coffee shops right now are a little bit more scarce. Like they're Greek owners, but they have a very European, New York kind of tone to it. And I'm I'm uh, not in planning. I'm starting a very long term project there, and I'm gonna attempt. I've never photographed professionally, if you want to call that, in in Greece, and I want to cover every facade of the country with the same approach that I uh, I did that bittersweet apple, and uh, and I'm and I, and because there's a, a lot of uh, photographs that came that coming out of Greece right now because of the economic situation and right. most of them are about despair <laughs> and you know everybody's drugs or well there's drugs everywhere there always was drugs so i want to i'm gonna i'm starting a big project there so uh hopefully i will it will be it will be it will be very interesting to me because i like i said i've never approached i'm going back after 20 years to photograph so i'm gonna see how that would go so you have another project called the um Keystone narrative. Tell us about mm -hmm. that. Well, that's a completely different project, which again, I think uh, it's interesting to talk about because my dad, when he moved, um, he's in Pennsylvania right now in Scranton. And in 1992, I visited, um, he was visiting us in Greece and we all came back to the States and obviously he didn't have a car to pick, you know, we all flew here. So we took a bus uh, to go to Scranton. Pennsylvania. I didn't know what Pennsylvania was. People in, in, you know, back then, you know, New York, LA, Boston, that's about it. So I had no idea where he's at. 
And, and of course, this is pre-internet area. So we traveled and we ended up in Scranton. It's, Scranton is the office. I mean, you know that, right? <laughs> the office show that they have there. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, but I went there and um, it was another interesting experience for me because Scranton in 92, he has, first of all, he has nothing. It's not even close to what it is right now. Now there's a lot more uh, uh a lot more going on there. But in 92, there were probably like two bars and uh, and that's about it. So, but when I was young in living in, in my country, of course you look, you watch American movies, American music, all of that. You're exposed to the metropolis, the big city, the, the lifestyle, et cetera. And that's, that's very, very attractive. And, you know, the American, you know, uh, cars, the, the industry, Etc. So obviously, what we're discussing right now, I never thought when I was there. But as I became a photographer, and I, I you know, work in, in newspapers, and I was visiting small towns because I work, you know, Watertown is a small towns. So I visit a lot of uh, you know quaint and industrial uh, places, and I saw that what I was seeing in the movies in Greece and that that glamour that New York has or LA has currently currently in those cold towns in northeastern Pennsylvania to my eyes it doesn't really sound uh, very promising and it's sad and I'm questioning at times uh, my dad is an economist and we talk a lot about that uh, about you know what will happen to this uh, to these small towns that they they had a vibrant life back in the day. Scranton had, you know, I mean, there's still a, a railroad line, but you cannot go to New York. There's, there's, it's a bus that costs you 95 bucks round trip for a two hour trip. So they would, they would sell clothes. There was a clothes industry, meals that they will actually ship to Saks Fifth Avenue. I had a, a, a family friend that she was born here. But I'm seeing, and, I, and I've traveled a lot, and I'm seeing in this area, and it's an ongoing project. And I'm just wondering what will happen if somebody doesn't have the, the funds to go to school or get a job or attempt to go in a, in a bigger city. And he, or he just decides to just stay, you know, in his hometown under, the, under globalization. I don't know if that's doable. But the, the people that, you know, they were born in small towns in um, northeastern Pennsylvania that, you know, they were industrial towns. Um, uh, or cities like Bethlehem, for example, or other, other areas, with no need to name names. But if someone decides, doesn't have the funds and doesn't have the means to uh, move into, to go to college or wants to go get a job in a bigger city, uh, I don't, I personally, I don't think there are a lot of opportunities locally because there's no industry. We have a lot of services, but you don't have industry. I think, what are you going to do with this, with the services if you have industry? There's no, there's no jobs, and this this area and a lot of areas in in, in the country. I think they were a lot prosperous in, um, um, you know, back in the day, if you want to call that. And it's the same situation that's happening in Greece. It's the same, it's the same scenario. People left the villages. Well, there they left the villages to go, you know, in Athens, and you know that's a melting pot too, but. Like I said earlier, I don't know if uh, we got disconnected. This project, the Keystone Narrative, I'm, I'm photographing uh, with a 4x5 camera. And 
whatever that means. But I um, I wanted to just slow down because I never really thought that I never really had a great interest to photograph uh, in that area. But the experience that I had both in the newspaper then in New York, I wanted to um, continue on a similar tone, regardless of uh, the Keystone narrative, it's the, the format is different, um, to investigate, you know, the local scale, you know, the storefronts that basically are going out of business and question with a little bit of humor in some photographs, what what will be uh, what will be the the future? I mean, you know, with with no industry, I just think that something needs to I don't know be done. I'm not the one to say that, but do do you find that with the personal projects, it's providing you an opportunity to explore aspects of being an American today that that you couldn't or or didn't have the opportunity to do when you were at the newspaper, even though you were. Focusing primarily on feature stories, absolutely. I mean, the personal projects and the, that I'm working on right now and are very, very uh, on point to that. Uh, I think they uh, it's a great experience. It's a, it's a great experience to see, you know, for the most part, right now the area that I live. I tend to photograph where I where I'm at. I'm not an exotic photographer. If you want me to. To call that out on Mount Interesting, going to exotic places, take pictures. I like to photograph when I'm local because because I'm a I'm a I'm a citizen of that area. I live there and I have these experiences. And at the same time, I still have in all of these projects in the Keystone narrative and the one I'm working, uh, the Electric City, which is more uh, of a street kind of uh, project, same similar to the Bittersweet Apple one. I still try to maintain that same tone with 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 no agenda with no kind of uh fabrication as to when i'm going out to photograph but it's a great experience to talk to these people and to, to people of this it's a great experience to talk to people of the small towns and they want to share their stories so i don't know i have i have different ideas about it uh down the road um but they want to share their stories but at the same time i don't know it's uh the economy doesn't look that great that if you go to Bethlehem, um, I don't know if you know about this. Uh, the, the there's uh, the steel mill, the Walker Evans photo mm-hmm. yeah. with um, the the cemetery, the house, the houses, and the Bethlehem steel mill in the background. I recommend this as <laughs> it was a very uh, emotional experience. I went, I think it was about six seven months ago. At that exact exact spot, everything's the same. Obviously, besides that, if you remember, if you remember the picture, the the cross that is in the foreground is not there anymore. <laughs> so everything else is uh, is it's you know it's the same. I didn't attempt to photograph the same uh, picture to take the same picture, but I think that okay. So the steel mill is uh, well, the structure is still there. Next to it, there is a casino. They just built a casino that made the they made part of the of the steel mill a casino and they have lights at night and there's a lot of uh, you know nice boutiques with shops and restaurants etc. I was doing some research and there were about three hundred and fifty thousand people that worked on that steel mill and I, don't quote me but I think it um, it completely closed in two thousand seven or two thousand eight I'm not I'm not I'm not positive but there were three hundred three hundred and fifty thousand 
people work from that from the area on that steel mill. 850 different jobs um, available on that steel mill. 35,000 people from Bethlehem. Bethlehem is about 70,000 70, uh, population. Families that build homes, maybe send kids to, to college. They, they, had a, you know, they had a steady job, good pay. The irony of it, which is, I found uh, funny, sad, and uh, was that in an uh, more Allentown Morning Call article in a newspaper, the company that was building the casino ended up not having steel, and they had to import it. And I thought that was like fascinating, fascinating wow. uh, to read because here's you know you closing down a mill for whatever reason. You know, you ask me, I think. There's, there's ways to uh, uh, save something if you really want to. But in that picture, and it, it can have uh, different meanings for when the viewer is looking at a photograph. To me, and in a lot of uh, Walker Evans pictures of that period of in the American photographs, was a prediction. To me, that picture that Walker Evans took of the, in Bethlehem was a prediction. And I related to, okay, the people that work uh, in the industry – eventually will be dead at one point. will die. And next to it, it's a casino or whatever yeah. that means. You have, a, you have a unique opportunity in, 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 your, in your work to really um, get invited into the intimate aspects of people's lives in a way that most of us don't. And I'm wondering, does that leave you considering everything that people are going through, especially middle-class people, does, mm. does those, do those interactions leave you feeling hopeful or, or cynical? Um, I'm always hopeful. I think photographers and, and, you know, and I don't judge, I don't say, you know, uh, I always say photograph what you're interested in and photograph from your heart. I always say that it sounds very simple, but I, I stand by it. And you need to photograph something that you, you care about, whether it be people, places. It, it, it's irrelevant. Uh, if you have a connection with your subject and with what you're photographing, I want to see that. And there's some photographers and photographs that do that and some don't. And I'm not, and that's my my goal when I take pictures is to see my connection with those people, with that place, with how this place feels, and go beyond the description of it. Of okay, this is Scranton, but I want to attempt to represent the feelings of that space and the people and my feelings. Everything, of course, is subjective. And everybody makes their own interpretations. And that's a lot of people said, okay, I understand your, your project in, in, in Astoria, that the bittersweet apple. But I also have my own experience that irrelevant to yours that I can relate to those pictures. And also, I, it was a little bit of um, criticism, uh, criticism when, when uh, uh, my project was uh, featured at the New York Times uh, Lens Blog, that I was... It was a comment there. It was interesting that a, a Greek photographing in a story, it's like a French coming photographing the French or something like that. And, and it is so clear, at least to me, that I always approach people with respect. And 
I never try to, you know, exploit them, whatever that means. But it was never meant to be a representation of this is uh, this is a story. I think through the pictures, you have to express some sort of feeling, whether it be your feeling, whether it be uh, uh, the people's, you know, emotions about how they are. But yeah, I think I've, I'm hopeful, but I'm also worried because uh, there's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's, you know what? What are this, what's going to happen to these towns? Um, yeah, businesses left and they went overseas. Uh, you know why? <laughs> you know if you think about it, we're getting deep into that, so I don't want to sound political or anything like that. Uh, well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that photographer be and why? I was waiting for that question because I listen to your blog constantly. Joseph Kudelka. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. With no question as to... I can feel Joseph Kudelka in every single picture. And his book, uh, The Exiles, it's a magnificent piece of art. <laughs> and, you, you know, in, in many of his interviews, you know, he was he's a traveler, uh, basically traveling the world and, and photographing an exile himself. So I don't consider myself an exile, but in, in his pictures, I see this, this passion that I were talking about earlier and this connection from the, between the photographer, the connection between the photographer and the subject. And I, I think I admire a lot of photographers, but he will be my, uh, my number one, uh, my number one choice. And definitely. Yeah. And where can people go to find out more about you and, and your work? Well, right now we, um, I'm, well, on my website, um, I'm pretty active on uh, Instagram, uh, NJK Photo, um, and I, I upload a lot of things, uh, a lot of things there. And I'm in the works right now with a colleague to um, start an online magazine, but that's down in the works. We're still in the process of doing that. So basically, my my website and uh, Instagram for now. Oh, great. Well, Nico, thank you so much for making time and for and for reaching out. I really enjoyed having a chance to talk Thank to you us. so much. I really, really, really appreciate it. And thanks for doing this. It's a really a service to the photographic community. And on all levels, you have some great photographers there. Uh, I have discovered uh, uh, some great, great uh, photography on your podcast. And listening about the work, I think what you do is, is magnificent in the sense that it's better in a way to listen to the photographer and then go and look at these pictures, at, at their pictures. That's what I usually do. I listen to podcasts and then I go to the website because I believe you need to have the backstory of photographer to kind of really connect with the work. Yeah, that can help a great deal. I mean, just, just from talking with you, I gained so much insight into what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. So that's good. Thanks for joining us for another episode and for spreading the word. You can show your support for the show by contributing any amount via PayPal. Whether it's $20, $50 or more, your donations continue to help us to improve the quality of the program and you can find a convenient link on the website or in the show notes. The show is edited by Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. 
Our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. The Candid Frame is a member of the TWIP Network. Discover more great photography podcasts such as This Week in Photography, Street Focus, All About the Gear, and more by visiting twip.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. <laughs>